your prediction on media. We talked about it, it kind of reinventing itself, but from, from newspapers to TV stations to what you know best, radio stations, what, what do you think the future holds for them? Well, again, everything is cyclical, um, and I know that uh, you know I, you and I were talking about advertising prior to this and the type of thing that we're doing, and it's all innovative thinking. It's all we're forced to be creative, and I think I think that's kind of the the sense that I hope that comes back to to radio. Hi everyone, I'm Rob Lullisher with Yeg Me the podcast. Every week we'll be chatting with some great people in Edmonton. It's our chance to learn a bit more about them and have them share some of their Yeg centric stories. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. It's Rob Lullisher here. Welcome to another episode of Yeg Me, the podcast. Uh, really, really happy to have our guest join us here today. We've got Marty Forbes. Marty, welcome. Thank you, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, but I have to ask you, you've got, yep. you've got a radio and print guy, and you've got him in a TV mode. This is not good. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, as Marty alluded to, I think he's got uh, about 100 years more than I do in the newspaper <laughs> uh, experience industry. Uh, you are definitely radio royalty, and I, don't, uh, I have no shame in saying that to you, and I, I hope you're not embarrassed by it, but you, you had such a long, distinguished, uh, outstanding career here in Edmonton. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Well, first, first off, thank you very much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm fortunate because I came from a radio family. And, uh, of course, my dad started 630 Chad in 1954. He started Santa's Anonymous, and now we have the Jerry Forbes Center for Community Spirit. He uh, had three boys, all that got into radio, and uh, all three now are retired, and we collectively have 157 years of experience. And uh, we'd like to say Christmas when we all got together. It, was, uh, it wasn't really Christmas, it was a convention. Who, who's the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, annual yeah, AGM of the Radio Broadcaster yeah, Network? One in sales, one on air, and, and a manager-program director. So, no, it's, it's a very nice thing to say, and I have a, I have a great deal of family pride. It's what kind of drove me for... Uh, this will be year 49. I'm, I'm hoping to make it to year 50 uh, next year to, to uh, say I did it. absolutely will. <laughs> okay, take us back uh, just for a moment. This is about, uh, you know, Yeg and Edmonton at the core of it. Tell us about your, your early days uh, growing up. Cool. Well, mom, mom and dad divorced in 1961, and, okay. and we all moved to Toronto. Of course, dad stayed here, and every summer we would come back and forth and spend uh, the time with him until 1967 when I decided to stay out here. It broke my mom's heart. <laughs> She's no longer with us, thank goodness. I can say that now. But um, I fell in love with radio by hanging around the Ched guys. Yep. And it was it was very cool because I would go to Bonnie Dune and have to hop the bus to Storyland Valley Zoo at that point. And I would get off every single day and hang around, you know, West Montgomery and Bob McCord and, and Don Kay and Al Anderson and, yeah. and these great names. Yeah, and, and great I characters would, of the oh, day. absolutely, yeah. right? And I, I, each day I would sit in with a different department. I mean, sit in on, on the air when guys were doing their show or the newsroom and they would critique my stuff. So this, this was before Nate. I think the Nate uh, broadcast came around 1970, 71. So I had to outfit myself. And on June 1st, 1970, Dad picked me up at Bonnie Dune High School in his red Corvette Stingray, dropped me off at the CN Tower with an envelope that says, do not open until you get on the train. I open it, start to cry as it's words of advice and a check for $100 to get me started. Okay. And that is now framed. I've carried it all those years. It's framed and it's on my office wall and I constantly look up at it and go, 
it worked out okay. Thanks for the advice. So was that a train out of town or, or was, tell us was, about that train ride? It was heading to uh, Kamloops, BC okay. to, to launch a brand new radio station. That was a, a first radio gig management wise or uh, that what, was what was a, your role then? It was a, I was a radio writer and on air. And back okay. then, first I get off the train at three o'clock in the morning. There are two or three guys meeting me. One is Wayne Cox, who ended up a huge global newsman and the Canadian version of Let's Make a Deal, still friends to this day. And uh, walk into the station, they look at me and said, you have to get your hair cut. Well, I'd had it cut two days before, <laughs> but it's 1970. So I get, it, I get my hair cut, come back to work, did nine to five, Monday to Friday. The office was open nine till noon on Saturday. And then I did Saturday on the air, seven to midnight. And then after the first year, when guys went on holidays, I did all the fill-ins. So I did six, right. 60 days in a row in every different format. And I, I would get on the country station and I would mispronounce yeah. or I'd play Elton John Country Comfort. The lights, the, the phone lights would light up. That's not country, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and I, I did that for two years. It was the, the best uh, yep. experience a guy could have. And then I got a phone call to go into Calgary to CKXL, which was another Moffat station, same as Chet. I couldn't work here because of dad and nepotism laws. Oh, okay. And yeah. became the creative director there and a little bit on air for a year or two. And uh, literally it was my first management position and I stayed in management for 39 years. So when did you finally get back to Edmonton? Um, came back twice, 1981. Dad died in September of 1981 okay. at, at age okay. 58, which was, a, I can Way remember the moment. Yep. Yeah, And that was the day I decided I was going to retire at age 58. Was at his okay. funeral, I said, I'm going to do it. And we launched uh, for McLean Hunter 92.5. It was called Sea Jacks, Rocking Country back then. And it uh, didn't do very well. It was uh, Bob McCord had launched Kissin at the same time, and he, okay. he kicked our butts. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew, uh, you know, it just wasn't going to work out at that point. And I got a phone call from Selkirk, which owns K90, or owned K97 at that point, said, would you like to go to Vancouver? And I shipped off to Vancouver, okay. um, changed the format of Sea Jazz out there to Kiss FM, got a call to Toronto and worked in Toronto for a couple of years. And I got a call to come back here in 1991 that the Standard was going to buy uh, the CFRN and CJKE. Okay. Would you like to be help or like to be part of uh, flipping a radio station? And that's when we launched The Bear. That's when The Bear started. That's when The Bear okay. started, yeah. So I ran that for uh, well, 19 years. Uh, in that time period, we brought sports radio to Edmonton, which is still there. It was Team 1260s, now TSN, and we bought Easy Rock from uh, Telemedia, and which is now Virgin. Yep. And so on. on sure, on, uh, take me back to the first uh, month or two of The Bear. It, <laughs> it uh, obviously had a lot of characters involved. And what's a standout story that you remember from, from the start of that station? Well, the funny part was that the whole building was unionized, or a great number of it was okay. unionized. So there were some people there that were long-term people, nice folks and all that. But uh, but very you know set in their ways and a little bit older. Well, in came this bear crew, <laughs> Scruff Connors and Terry Evans and people like that. And literally, we did uh, I think about a week worth of what were called goofy loops. So it was just the Simpsons and crazy things yep. going on in the air, and everybody was talking about it. And on launch day, had I think we had a million stickers of the bear paws, and we went everywhere in the city, including on the windows of all the other radio stations in town. The LRT, Bill Smith was mad phoning me. Um, well, it wasn't us. It, it wasn't I don't know us. what you're talking about. Bear paws, that's crazy. <laughs> 
and launched the bear and uh, became a huge success. And to this day, I mean, I like to use the term, you know, launch them right, build them strong, and they last forever. And the yep. bear to this day has done very, very well. Right on. Yeah. So you did 19 years and then uh, was that... You hit 58 at that point, or, or I know I know you're on to a whole other retired career, and we'll talk about that a bit more. But there were a series of really good things that happened. Okay, <laughs> I literally gave a year's notice because I respected the company so much, and I got a phone call from the owner saying, "Hop a plane and get down here. We need to chat." And I go, "Oh, yep." <laughs> get down there. They inform me they're selling the company. Uh, to Astral and a $1.8 billion sale wow. and that quote, there's a protected list and that list is 12 people out of the 1300 that worked that were not going to get fired or let go or terminated. And my brother Jerry in Calgary was on that list as well. <clears throat> but there was an agreement that I had to work for a couple of years yep. in a consulting way with them. And I said, fine, absolutely great. And that's when I bought a place in Phoenix and uh, literally went down by myself for 90 days and told yep. my wife I have to reinvent myself. Uh, I'm leaving radio, but I'm not going to go away right. and just die. <laughs> so I decided that I was, uh, you know, the digital was on the incline and uh, social media was on the incline. I've always studied psychographics. Media is usually okay. done in demographics. I'm into lifestyle groups. Okay. And saw what was happening to, to traditional radio and what the, you know, the growth pattern was with, with you know, Twitter was just coming out of that point as well and thought, I'm going to come back here and work with clients to, to complement their advertising so that uh, um, you still have to have your radio, TV, newspaper advertising, but that you better be in this new you know, halcyon field of, of getting hold of people. Very nice mix of everything. Yep. Yeah, and, and a couple of first clients were just great. The Telus World of Science, I, I've, they still have what I think is the best website in the world. It's spectacular. Uh, launched their Facebook uh, business site and, and their Instagram sites, Boston Pizza of Northern Alberta, 57 uh, properties, yep. launched all of that for them. And then kind of slid off into... So you're breaking every mold of, of you know, leave it to the old retired guy to... Uh, <laughs> to well, I, guide I was, you down the digital social path. Well, the U.S. has always been way ahead of us. I mean, yeah. you, you take that population and the Spotify's and Pandora's and Netflix's are all coming out of there. And I was fortunate enough to, to get into some amazing conferences with people like that and could see the potential. So actually coming back here was a bit of a challenge because it was just about an 18-month lag and it often sounded like an alien saying, you should try this Facebook thing. I right. have a good feeling right. about it. <laughs> right? Do you think that goes back to even like when you started The Bear? Was that something that, was it a couple of years earlier, you were seeing this happen in the States, like you know Howard Stern hitting major strengths? Yeah, almost, almost every trend in media came out of the United States, you know, the consolidation came out of the United States. We knew it was going to happen when Clear Channel went from 50 to 1,200 radio stations and yep. when the TV stations all amalgamated. And Canada, and I don't mean to be negative in this, was watching that saying, if it works down there, it'll probably right. work here. So companies were downsizing like crazy and, uh, you know, getting hit. Um, uh, with technological changes, I mean, the Spotify's of the world are just you know, fascinating what, yep. what they've done quickly and what Netflix has done quickly. So I just wanted to stay on the leading edge and make sure that I, you know, was in that loop uh, to come back here and do practical things with the people that wanted to hire me. That's wonderful. Um, I want to learn more about that, but before we do, uh, you know, tough question for a guy like yourself. You've been involved with so many things, but can you think of a, of a 
Edmonton, you know, that Yeg-centric story that you were literally, you were right there or you were a part of uh, history-wise and, you know, what pops in your brain when I ask you that? Well, you know, this this is a city that can organize World War III. I mean, the people that put together special events in the city are phenomenal. And your dad opened up an amazing door for me with a great cup. Okay. In, was it 2010? I think it was 2010 and put together a group that said we're going to raise the bar and show the country what Edmonton's all about and put on an amazing event and then this last fall I get the call from Len Rhodes and Dwayne Vino again hey do you want to yep. do that again right and uh, it was an overwhelming success and it was so Edmonton I mean you run into all the same builders in yeah, the it was city a great every event. 55, yeah. 55 events all sold out and that's just Edmonton. So I, I think that's kind of the signature to, to why I like uh, working in this city because there are a couple of phone calls to people like that yep. uh, makes everything happen in this city. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're probably one of the busiest retired guys in the city <laughs> right now. Tell us a bit about what, what you're working on. Um, this is a very busy week. I, I hope I'm not going to screw up the timing on this for you but uh, I have a bad habit of always having things happen within a day <laughs> or two okay. to ramp up but I have uh, the Alberta Motorcycle Safety Society is something we started three years ago and it starts with a big kickoff at Louise McKinney on the weekend and we literally have every single radio station TV station and newspaper in Alberta covering our events running our public service bringing our people onto the air for interviews to kick yep. motorcycle safety turn, turn the snow machine off uh, for, that, for the weekend for a bit and sadly we've had three deaths already uh, okay. so it, it's a very important uh, thing we have crescendo I've been with John Cameron entertainment uh, and changing lives foundation for 10 years now the Edmonton singing Christmas tree uh, which is uh, an amazing event, simply amazing. And now we have Crescendo, which is a fundraiser for mental health, Alberta Mental Health and Royal Alex. Yep. So I do all of their media and marketing. Give us the elevator pitch of those two events. What, if, For anyone who's not been before, what, what are those events about? Okay, the Edmonton Singing Christmas Tree was in a church in downtown Edmonton for 40 some years. They knocked it down and some business leaders, John Cameron, a couple of great friends, decided to bring it back, take it to the Jubilee and blow it up to, to king size. So now it's a 35 foot digital Christmas tree uh, with 160 singers and a 60 piece orchestra, the wow. cream of the crop of, of the yep. city, and frontline singers and dancers that will absolutely blow you away. These people mostly have trained on cruise ships around the okay. world. Okay. They're people like Ariana Whitlow, the daughter of uh, the late Jean Zwazdeski, and they put on uh, a different Christmas show every year, six shows at the Jubilee. Uh, and all the money is directed to charity. We've raised over a million dollars in that 10 years. Wonderful. And then John was sitting around about two years ago and said, you know, we've got all these assets. Right. <laughs> Why don't we do a summer show and came up with Crescendo and that's at the Windspear. Um, and it's the same group of people, but it's all rock based. Okay. So it's the Elton Johns and Led Zeppelins. Oh, wonderful. Bohem yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody sung with a backup of 160 people. Okay. I, I can't describe. Every, every song you've sung in the car uh, exactly. to your own beat. Yeah. Exactly. And the difference is, and this is a hard one to describe until you've actually seen a show, we have people coming out between the songs talking about their struggles with mental illness. And, and they're compelling. We had a, a, an EMS lady last year, I believe, come out 
and she was describing what it's like to clean up after an accident and having to go home and feed her, you know, nine-month-old right. little girl right. while she's crying and that. This year we have Michael Landsberg from TSN okay. who has a Sick Knock Week program, and he's coming out talking about his personal struggles, and John himself talks about his struggles and why we do this show. So it, it just took off over the last two years, and now Calgary has, has purchased the entire show for the Alberta Children's Hospital down oh, there. wonderful. So we're going to have the buses all loaded up on May 24th at 6 in the morning, scoot them all down there, do the show wow. at the Jack Singer to raise money for Calgary Charity. Um, I'm on the Jerry Forbes uh, Center for Community Spirit. Um, yeah, tell us about team. that, the, the namesake building for your father and, yeah. and a lot of cool things happening there. It's, it's uh, literally amazing. That's another one that took us a decade and the, we were tasked with finding, quote, a new home for Santa's Anonymous because it kept outgrowing um, its home and they were working in some pretty terrible places for a while. And uh, every time we talked to somebody, they said, you know, Stephen Mandel, I'll give you this if you can change it to this. Or Dave Hancock from the government, why don't you do this, such and such. So what was supposed to be a home for one is now a home for upwards of 20 charities in a state-of-the-art, brand-new building. And it's all built on a theory of synergy. So there's one receptionist instead of 20. There's, there are rooms all built where all of these groups can go in and sit down and, and learn. We have, you know, lunch and learn sessions and things like that and uh, you know huge free parking instead of you know the downtown core trying to get in and out so it's been up and running the folk festival is in there the Christmas bureaus in there uh, Special Olympics and so some pretty neat people and it's named after dad that's uh, that's pretty awesome that's very that's, cool uh, <laughs> great to walk into that uh, each day yeah what uh, we, we were chatting a bit before but your, your sense of Edmonton and just it, its strength around, I'll, I'll just call it community. Yeah. You've, you've traveled to other, you've worked in other cities. What, what's your sense of that, Marty? What, what makes Edmonton so special on that front? You know what? This city was, was built with some amazing leaders, and you, you can name a number of them. Grant McEwen wouldn't be there without Dr. Paul Byrne. Nate wouldn't be there without uh, Sam Shaw. The United Way with Ann Smith for 20, 25 years. Uh, there's so many community. There'd be no communities. SCTV without Dr. Allard. Yeah, absolutely, and... Dr. Rice with the TV station. Yep. It's a long, long list, yep. right? And over over the last, oh, I'm going to say, 10 years or so, a lot of a lot of the decision making and the power has left this city from a business standpoint. I mean, there are no locally owned media anymore. Every penny of profit goes out to Toronto, basically. And so my, my vision and my hope, I read a, a really good article yesterday saying that there are over 400 tech companies coming out of Edmonton right now. Okay. That, and that blew me away. But you and I know a lot of them. Yep. You take Yardstick and what uh, Chris Labossier and those guys have done, Raoul Boot with FireText, you know, yep. offices in Edmonton and, and New York. The Startup Edmonton program is brilliant. If you ever get a chance, if you haven't been in there, ask, just go in and watch how right. this works. It's, wow. it's phenomenal. So it, it's my hope that that everything is cyclical. Yep. That that you know when they break up some of these bigger companies, that you see, you know, the proceeds of all this great work staying in Edmonton rather than being shipped out. And I and I think you see if you look at the restaurant scene and how many chain stores were here before and American right. chain stores, yep. and they're disappearing one by one. And the and the the restaurant scene in this city right now is pretty phenomenal. Right. 
And the things that really blow me away is that is uh, you know you take Paul Schufelt in the workshop eatery every single month he's doing something for charity and not a little one a really really big one. Right. So here's a busy guy running this restaurant and his focus is to pay back and pay it forward in the community of Edmonton. That's what I want to see more of and I think that's kind of coming with the millennials understanding that that that's your next door neighbor you know you go right. to school with Paul's kids and whatever yeah. and that that center you know the city's community and all the great things that we do insular um, I wish we'd spread the news a little bit <laughs> better right. yep. when you go to Toronto the world ends in Mississauga they really don't know what the city is all about uh, until they come in the summer and go to one of our festivals and I tell you it doesn't matter which one you right. go to any one of yep. those sit on that hill uh, for the folk fest or go out to Big Valley Jamboree and see what this city does it's a great city in that kind of yep. way. I love the parallel of, of uh, you know the restaurant scene compared to big big media and very similar and uh, you're right like without a doubt a day is going to come where the the big companies will just have to divest themselves of all the individual pieces and and yeah. uh, it, it will just kind of reignite you a quick, and, and I'll tell you a quick story from my United Way days and I'm in I'm in a room this is back when you know running the bear and I'm in a room with the business leaders as the rock guy yep. rock radio yep. station guy going, what am I doing here who's that guy at the end that's the yeah, rock guy that? that's the rock guy right but I'm watching Harry Buttle work uh, an amazing civic builder and he comes to the 30 guy Don Wheaton was one of the guys sitting there and says, okay, Mike LaFranchise, local guy, built up Icon uh, office machines, big, big company, is selling it to a company in Toronto. I phoned them and said, are you going to match the donation corporately and individually? And because it's in the neighborhood of $50,000 or so. And they said, no, we're not going to. And I watched Harry go, any of you fellows doing work with these guys? And then one by one, Rob, they, they were. I'm going to check on that. Yep. And you know what? When our lease comes up, if if we're on that, we'll go somewhere else. That's Edmonton. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, tough for some people to hear that, but uh, they find um, out too late. You you have to pay it forward in this city. You really do. Yeah. It, it's an expectation. It's not a cliche. It, it, it's it's helping your neighbor, and yeah. this is a big big community. You know, not a big city. It's a big community. Well, you, you, it's a it's a generational community, right? Absolutely. It, it's it's not that that gold rush transient in and out, and like some of the other cities uh, around the country. And um, yeah, I uh, that's a cool story. I love hearing that. You did mention the restaurant scene. I'm going to put you on the spot, not to, <laughs> to pick any one particular one, but you know, if you had to take some friends out for a special night in a restaurant in Edmonton, where where would you want to take them to? Well, it's funny, when you when you sent the note, you were going to ask me that, I started thinking, all the ones that I loved are gone, right? I used to love Il Portico, and I used to love walking in this place, the Italian Garden, right? I said, do you want to yes, walk Yes, uh, for those uh, listening who don't know, <laughs> we, we record this in our studio, which is, uh, we call it the Workstat, and uh, it's, it's 100th Street and 103rd Ave. And I didn't know this, and funny enough, I actually ate an Italian meal here uh, way back. My, when my dad came for a visit, he walked in, and the first words out of his mouth, hey, this is the old Italian garden. Yeah. <laughs> well, he would walk in here, yeah. and if Junior didn't meet you at the door and he would see you, and you had your menu, he would grab it yeah. from you and say, Mr. Forbes, you don't look at the menu. Mama's going to cook for you, and this one's on us. You yeah. never paid. <laughs> So no, I. Um, and that's why they're not here. Anymore. And that's why they're not here. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. Uh, we live in Windermere and have a place out in Lac Saint Anne. So I don't. Yep. I'm not getting out as much as I used to, and it's kind of regional. But there is 
a place called the Moon Garden that was in the West End that I okay. used to go to with the station all the time. And the same thing. I never even needed a menu. Mama yeah. would see me, number 57 on rice. So they just opened up a little, uh, you know, takeaway kind of place in Windermere called okay. the Sweet Basil that I go to all the time. Okay. And then I go to my way as often as I can to support the Sorrentino's group. And again, there's there's a company that... Yeah, Carmelo and his family. Every and month there's a special things. thing going on. Yeah. And when you go ask them for something and, and you talk about a nice compliment, when I walked into the new one out there, Carmelo walked up to me and said, ah, Mr. Community. And I went, nice. thank you very kind. And I should have said it right that's, back. That's a wonderful compliment. So I, yeah. I look for companies that, that are doing that. I really look for Ma and Pa's. I love reading Graham Hicks in the sun with any new place going, okay, jot that one down. Yep. Kim, we're going to that one next. So the same type of thing. I, I'm always looking for local places to go to help them help support so, them. So outside of the food scene, can you think of a, a, you know, a local business that you wish more people knew about and you'd love to bring them a little exposure? Sure. Yeah, again, in the quiet vein, um, you know, a guy like Drew Shamahorn that owns Elite Sportswear yeah. for I don't know how many decades, you see that guy out supporting everything. He's been a huge supporter of ours from the Alberta Motorcycle Safety okay. Society. Yep. Um, he just does so many things for the city of Edmonton and for kids. He sponsors the, you know, the up-and-coming athletes, donates prizes. There's a guy yep. that deserves a real big you know, pat on the back. And Jim Roth, who runs Cycle Works uh, Motorcycles, and they have five or six locations now, Edmonton, okay. I'll get them wrong, yep. Edmonton, Red Deer, Fort McMurray, Calgary. Yep. He's another guy that one phone call saying, Jim, we got this motorcycle safety thing, what do you need? So I would like to do a couple of shout outs for, for guys like that. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. <clears throat> um, can you think of a spot in town that, uh, you know, out of town guests, you mentioned when, when they do come and if you take them to a festival, you've won them over. But if, if you had to, geez, I really got to wow them. What are a couple places that you want to take some, some folks visiting Edmonton for the first time? Um, <laughs> if they're from Calgary, directly to Roger's place. <laughs> and hopefully it's the same time there's an Edmonton Eskimo no. football game. Notice the non-curvature well. of our roof that uh, supports <laughs> yeah. all the Come on over here yeah. and see our suite level. And yeah. Come on over here and, and enjoy a 50-50 of $300,000. So. No doubt. Um, <laughs> I, if it was on my motorcycle, I would love to do a full tour of the city. I know every, it, it's a cliche to say the River Valley is, is what makes Edmonton famous. It is. Yeah, with, it, without it a is. doubt. It, it's wonderful. Water. I would love to see, um, and, and I think there's a lot of plans on that. I know Epcor is doing a lot, like just trying to bring accessibility to, to the River Valley. Absolutely. And, and, you know, without ruining what is there, but just ways to to get more folks down absolutely and and attend any of the festivals i mean I, i've been a day oneer from the blues fest uh, the folk fest depending on on who they bring in i go to, to those as well the interstellar is a great one there's some yep. great great uh, concerts and, and festivals to see under the symphony under the stars things like that so i would take them to truly edmonton centric kind of things okay okay very cool um, you've been in the city for a long time. Your, your family's had uh, greatly invested in the community. If, if you had to look ahead, what are, are not, not so much your predictions, but maybe what would you love to see on the, on the 10, 20 year horizon for Edmonton? You ask really good, tough questions. Okay. <laughs> well, in fairness, I gave you a heads up on, on most of the questions. No, I, I think it goes back to my to my former answer. There, I already I already hope we never lose that sense of community. I, I know having 
I was trying to think back even 10 years ago what the population was. The explosion on this city has, has been immense and it's been the source of a number of problems. Uh, I mean, I think we, we have a patchwork road system, <laughs> patchwork yep. city system. The, the LRT has just been an absolute disaster. We, we take too long to build bridges, things like that. And, and, that's, and that's too bad because it's, they're inconvenient kind of things. But I really, I really hope that, that everybody you know, understands the power of volunteerism and the power of getting involved in good projects. And, and do the barn building of the good old days to make sure that the city really has a, a sense of soul, its own kind of soul. Because okay. uh, it, it isn't Calgary, it isn't Vancouver and Toronto. I've worked there, they're all great cities, but nothing compares to, to bumping into an Edmontonian you haven't seen for four or five years and catching up really quickly and go, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. That's, that's the way this city is. And that's, I hope it never loses that. Any, uh, over in the prediction category, I, I'd love to, your prediction on media, we talked about it, it, it kind of reinventing itself, but from, from newspapers to TV stations to what you know best, radio stations, what, what do you think the future holds for them? Well, again, everything is cyclical, um, and I know that uh, you know I, you and I were talking about advertising prior to this and the type of thing that we're doing, and it's all innovative thinking. It's all we, we're forced to be creative, and I think I think that's kind of the the sense that I hope that comes back to to radio, that the ownership sooner or later has to get invested in the products a little yep. bit better. And uh, I, I did some, I've done an awful lot of work with Nate. Uh, this Grey Cup program, for example, has seven students. They don't see any problem. All they want to do is work in the business, and, but they're all multi-talented. And they're coming up with, with, with a template where they're on the air, they're doing their Facebook, they're doing blogging, they're yeah. doing podcasting. And it's an expectation that they're just fine with. So I think there's a new era of, of uh, broadcaster and journalists coming up there that have accepted that it, it isn't like it used yep. to be. And if you want to survive, you're going to have to get creative. That's kind of my hope. I don't know. The What you described, your first job in Kamloops, really <laughs> sounds like the same uh, junior uh, radio person today in that uh, you had to do everything back then. And, I totally and, agree. Uh, yeah. Definitely there's pressure on. And, I was at a, a, a Nate function recently for the radio and television program, and it was interesting. Yeah, as an outsider, you hear the more of the, okay, you probably want to stop calling it radio and television because you're asking all the television people to do audio and written. You're asking all the radio people to, to do uh, uh, video and written. It's, it's just one big content machine at the well, end of the day. I, I spoke to the Broadcast Educators Association of Canada a couple of years back. And I said, the, the media business has to stop doing one thing. Stop saying there are no jobs. Start, stop saying it isn't any fun. And stop saying you can't make any money. Talented, creative people will always survive. It'll be in a different mode than they were before. Very much. And I try to get that through to, the, to them to let their students know, if you work hard and if you're really good at what you do, you're going to rise to the top. But stop making it not sound like it's a fun business. Yeah. Every time I walk into a radio station to visit, I feel good. I get a buzz out of yep. them, you know, them coming out and playing the tunes and waving behind. That's still inside the businesses. So make sure that, that we attract really good talent. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, these new new forms of content. We, we had a guest on the show here, Alex Archbold, with uh, with his own YouTube show. Yeah. And uh, he, he it's his job right now. And, and we did a good laugh. I was talking with him recently and, and trying to get his bank to understand that 
he's a YouTuber. <laughs> but it, it's on being a content creator, right? When I, when I was at one of the digital conferences in San Diego called uh, Hyvio, and it was it was uh, God, it was Netflix and Pandora, and they brought out one program director who was the last guest on. He said, "I'm going to bring out a young lady and introduce you to her because I've just hired her in one of the biggest markets of all of the United States, San Diego, here, with zero experience." And you, the the sound around the room, really. Yeah. You know, then call her out like that, sit her down, what's your name? I can't recall it right now. And why are you here? She says, I'm here because I have a million followers on YouTube. And the first question, well, what are you going to do? I'm going to be at XYZ Motors on Saturday afternoon signing autographs and handing out station paraphernalia. Yeah. And I'm going to tell one million people where I am. And you could see people in the room and get, holy mackerel, that's the power it's, of digital, uh, right? Yeah, very much. That's it. So... Um, Thank you so much, Marty, for, for joining me today and, and uh, telling just some great stories. You're still very involved. If, if the folks out there want to learn more about you or connect with you, uh, how would they do that? What's the best way to find you? Uh, I'm on Facebook as Marty Forbes. I'm on Twitter as MJ Forbes. I'm on Instagram. I have uh, radiowiseinc.blogspot.com is, my, is my, uh, my blog. I'm a little behind on that one. Uh, and I also write for the Edmonton Sun, uh, two columns a month with no mandate, which is absolutely wonderful. So you get to write whatever you want. Whatever I want. It's the best gig in the world. So there's my tagline. So if I slip you a $5 bill, my name can be in uh, the next column. Let's That's start what at you're 20. Oh, let's start at 20. The bidding starts at 20. Okay, well, I'll definitely put that in the show notes and make sure that everyone who does want to find out more and connect with you can do so. You came from the radio world. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to to give us a good, solid radio ending to our podcast here. I'll say thank you very much, Marty, for being on, and I'll let you close it out. Do you want a little story? Yeah, let's let's do that. Um, it, we had so much fun, and, and radio opened so many doors. And my favorite story that I like telling um, is from 1986 when uh, I was a huge Whitney Houston fan. She was coming to Vancouver as part of Expo 86, and I phoned the record rep, and I said, I have to meet her. And he says, Marty, it's impossible. I said, well, let me just leave it with you. So I get a phone call on uh, about 6 o'clock that evening. I says, Marty, get down to the, uh, the, the stadium for it and come downstairs and look for me. And what's going on? Just, just be here. So I get down there, meet up with him, knock on the door. They open the door. There are two of the biggest black goons I've ever seen in my entire life. These are giants of men. Come in, and um, Mr. Forbes, and I walk in, and there's Whitney Houston and Sissy Houston. And I'm just in awe. Yep. And I, they said, you have five minutes to speak to Ms. Houston, and we're going to take a picture, but we're going to do it this way. You know, I will come over, grab your hand, put it on Ms. Houston's hip, We'll take the picture, do not move. We will take the hand off the hip as well. <laughs> so you can imagine the look on my face of, of you know, of <laughs> don't, fear. Don't I'm, I can't move up. a bit. So I put my arm around her. I have my picture with, with her. And uh, of course, as the whole story evolved, I was actually in the hotel that she passed away a week after she passed away. Oh, wow. So full circle kind of thing, but it, it yep. was one of those radio memories you'll never forget. Yeah, I won't forget that at all. Well, folks, uh, Yegmi the podcast, so glad that we had Marty Forbes on the show, radio uh, legend of many sorts, and uh, more importantly, just a great Edmonton community champion, and uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, and good luck with the podcast. I love the idea. Thank you. Great, Rob. 
Thanks again for joining us, folks. I'm Rob Lullisher, and this has been the YegMe Podcast. Be sure to visit our website, www.yeg.me, for more information on the show and some of our past podcasts. Also, some fun Yeg swag you can check out. All kinds of good stuff on the yeg.me website. And we look forward to seeing you in future episodes.